I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kahn Report wherever you get your podcast. You can, if you're following us on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, help us out there, much appreciated. You can find us there at Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. You can find all sorts of content there, including Between the Hashes, a look at the big college football games of the week. My son, Matthew, you gather some information that you're going to need to know to, to watch the games on Saturday. Sound smarter, listen to Between the Hashes. And there's also now with the NHL season underway, all's caps, ALZ caps with former Washington Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner and AP national hockey writer Steve Wino. So check those out. Do me a favor. There you go. Now, today I'm joined by former Washington head coach Jay Gruden. We get into the whole Kirk Cousins situation. He also was there when they drafted Terry McLaurin. When did he know McLaurin would be really good? What does he think of his development as a receiver? Where does he stack up among the best receivers? We also talk about John Allen and Deron Payne, who he was also here when uh, as a coach. So, and, and what he regrets about how they use those two back in the day, why he likes what they're doing with them now. And I also get into some of the personalities on that 2017 roster. Zach Brown, G.J. Swearinger, Josh Norman, Bashad Breeland, Junior Gallette. There's a lot of personalities that were there on that side of the ball. And, you know, so I was good to catch up with Jay. Hadn't had him on the podcast, but I wanted to bring him now because I felt like he could offer really good insight into what happened back then and who some of these players have become. I didn't want to just bring him on to say, what do you think about the organization? That wasn't my intent here. It's more about these players that you had, their progression. What did you think? What happened back then, et cetera. So I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to get to that in one minute. But before I get there, I wanted it because it's Wednesday morning. We know now that Chase Young is definitely going to practice Wednesday afternoon. So you can check Twitter. You can check ESPN. I'm sure I'll have a news story up about this later in the day about his first practice and him finally getting back. That 21-day window starts now. So that means they're going to have 21 days to decide whether they're going to what they're going to do with him. Are they going to activate him? Do you put him back to put him on IR? What are you going to do? The guess is my guess, my sense, strong sense will be that he will play not this week. But the following week against the Eagles, we'll find that out for sure. But that's been my sense all along that when he would come back to practice, there would be really you practice that week and then the next week and then get ready to play. So there you go. It would be good for them to get him back. Um, I talked about trade deadline stuff and a lot of other topics in the live YouTube show uh, that is also the podcast that was up on Tuesday night with Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders. We got into all those topics. So if you want to know some thoughts on that, on Heineke and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, go there. You want to know the injury reports, follow me on Twitter at John underscore Kime or read me on ESPN.com. That is my main job. So there you go. All that being said, now let's get to my conversation with former Washington head coach, Jay Gruden. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. 
From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, Jay, it's good to see you, and I do want to start, um, I want to get into Kirk Cousins, you know him well, you know how it ended here and all that, but there's another guy that was here at the end for you who is doing really well, that's Terry McLaurin. So I wanted to start with him just because you were here when you guys picked him. How surprised are you by what you've seen, how you've seen him progress in the NFL? I'm not too surprised, to be honest with you. You know, um, we, we liked him coming out. Obviously, we got him in the third round. People say if you like them better, you take him in the second. We lost our second-round pick because we traded for Montez Sweat to move up. So we didn't have a second-round pick. Otherwise, we would have taken him there. Um, but watching him at the Senior Bowl, we felt like he had the tools to be a dynamic player with the speed and the power that he had. And then, obviously, uh, what people don't understand is his off-the-field intangibles. Uh, being a two-year captain at Ohio State says a lot about him, his work ethic. Uh, he's always going to be there on time. He knows what to do. He's a very intelligent player. And for the culture of your football team, the more Terry McLaurin you have on your team, the better off you'll be because that rubs off on younger guys coming up, you know, who don't know how to prepare, who don't know how to work in practice. When you see a guy like that with his type of ability, work how hard he works in the offseason in the weight room and in training and in practice running every route like it's his last one, um, that, that makes your team better. You, again, you know, because I remember when he was drafted, it was like, you know, if, if nothing if nothing else, a good receiver, but also a special teams player. I think he's taken one special team snap in his time here. So, but there's, if I remember right, in the spring, he looked pretty good, but in training camp, he looked really good. What, when did you start to see that this kid could be more than even what you guys thought? I thought it was in the spring. Uh, personally, just being around him, just watching him r- routes versus air, watching him come off yeah. the line of scrimmage, you know what I mean? And the ability to use that speed and, and and be able to come out of breaks. A lot of guys can run fast, but it takes them, you know, a lot of patter, patter, patter steps to get out of their breaks. Terry does have a little bit of stiffness, but he can get out of his breaks. Every route looks the same and getting off the jam. We didn't really coordinate a little play, play bump and run in the spring. So in training camp, when guys were able to crawl up in his face and his ability to get off the line, that's when we knew that uh, this guy's going to be pretty good because if you can't jam him, uh, he's going to run by you. And if you play off, uh, he's a great free access route runner as well. And he's tough and he's smart. I mean, it's no brainer. And you know, it's funny you say that too, because what like sometimes when I'm watching practice, I'll watch how he comes out of a route versus someone else or a break. And he does it with fewer steps. Mm-hmm. It may take someone seven or eight steps to get somewhere. He may take five. Is that kind of what you see? And what, what does that say about him? Why yeah, can he do that? The difference in him being able to do that, he's running a lot faster than those other guys, too. So that right. makes it difficult for him to come out right. of those things. 
does. Uh, yeah, and then his hands, you know, there's some questions about his hands coming out. He, you know, he had his hands in weird positions at times, uh, but he doesn't drop many balls, if any. And he goes up and gets the contested balls as well. So when you're talking about what weakness does he have, uh, I don't really think he has one. Maybe just a little bit stiff coming in out of breaks, just a tiny, tiny bit if you're really going to be critical. Uh, but the, the strengths that he has, the speed, the power, the leadership, uh, everything, the, the smarts that he plays with, the intangibles that he has, the ability to recognize when the quarterback's in trouble, he knows where to go, uh, has a great feel for the football game. You know, the things you can't coach, he dominates. The things you can coach, he dominates. And he dominates the off-the-field issues as well. He's a great, great person. It's funny because, like, what I always like talking to him about different corners because he knows how to attack different corners. He knows there's – and I it, I know a lot of guys should know that, but he seems to really know how to attack guys too. Yeah, he, he studies the game. You know, it's that's what great players do. Great, talented players aren't just going out there on Sundays and running a go ball. You know, some of them might, but – uh, they have to study techniques. They have to study leverages. You know, is it outside leverage, inside leverage? If I have a tight split, is he going to play outside? Is he going to play off? Uh, is it cover two? Is it cover three? Is it quarters? Uh, what Do I attack the inside digit, the outside digit? He has a great feel for all that. And, and you tell him what to do and what you're looking for on a certain play. He understands it and he does it right the first time, the second time, and every time, which is uh, it's, it's a great trait. You can formation him however you want to. He'll break the huddle, know exactly where to go. He'll help other guys along. He knows the concepts. Um, I, I wish I could find something negative to say because usually I can and I, I can't say anything negative about him. I mean, it is like he's got – he's the package, right? And where does he – How? it's maybe a hard thing to answer because there are a lot of good receivers in this league, but where? Do, how does he stack up with when you look at the top receivers? Well, I think uh, with the quarterback issues they've had, he probably doesn't have the production of some of these right. other guys. Obviously, Tyreek Hill's at the top top of the class, Stephon Diggs and Waddle now. And, and you know, a lot of talk about Devontae, but he's he's having some issues over there in Oakland for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, right after those top four or five guys, you got to put him in the mix, right? I mean, he's he's made big plays uh, despite not having a – imagine right. if he was at Green Bay, how many catches he'd have. I oh, mean, wow. yeah, it'd be a lot. So, uh, but I think he's made the best of the situation that he has, number one. Number two, he doesn't ever gripe about anything. You know what I mean? He may not get the ball the entire half, and he's not going to be in there throwing his helmet, yelling at the coaches and all of that stuff. He'll be in there, hey, what's the next What's the next play going to be? What's the next shot we're going to take? He wants to know uh, moving forward. He doesn't He doesn't cry about the past. He always is uh, just looking forward to playing the next play. How many receivers would cry to you at halftime? I'd have a few. I'd have a few. It, it deservedly so sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you, know, you got to get the rock, but – he, he's very similar. Uh, you know, I had A.J. Green for three years as rookie year. You know, A.J. Green was uh, just a great team player. Not as uh, – obviously not as uh, uh, gifted as uh, Terry as far as the mental part of the game, but he was uh, a great unselfish player. And if you have an unselfish receiver, it just makes everybody better. And it puts less pressure on the coach. Oh, my God, I got to get him the ball. You know what I mean? Which coach should be trying to do that anyway. But it does put a little less pressure on the quarterback and the coach. Uh, you know, when the when the player's not coming in the huddle, say, hey, man, throw me the ball. You know, yell at the quarterback. He's got a lot of stuff to do in his mind. You know, he, he can't service everybody individually. So he's got to go through his progressions and his reads. And to have court, uh, receivers that are patient and unselfish is a critical part to success of an offense. Is it hard to sometimes just – because everybody's like, get him the ball, get him the ball. Can it be hard to say, okay, we're going to get him the ball right here? Is that hard, is a hard thing to do or is that easy? 
yeah, it's hard. It's very hard. You know, it's, I mean, you could put them in a slot and have them run an option route, but they drop the defensive end right underneath it. Then you got to progress. You could right. put them outside on a hitch route and they play cover two and he converts it to a fade right into the safety and you got to come off the route. Right. I mean, there's certain, you play, uh, run a curl route and it could be quarters and he's doubled. So right. there's a lot of, a lot of coverage that will take him away or try to take him away. That's what they do to great players. You know, Bill Belichick's made that famous as far as taking away your number one option. And that's going to happen from time to time. That's why Samuel has to step up and, and the tight ends have to step up and Kizik and uh, uh, Gibson have to step up in those times when, when Terry is getting taken away. What, what have you thought about Heineke? I mean, there's something like we know all the flaws and all that, but what have you thought about him? I, I like the way he plays. I mean, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, he reminds me of Jeff Garcia a little bit and the fact that he's not a very tall guy, but he has great pocket skills, great pocket awareness, the ability to, to make plays, uh, unscripted plays, which are not easy to coach. You know what I mean? And that's critical in this day of pro football, especially if your offensive line is struggling. you got to be able to get outside the pocket. You see Brady and Stafford are struggling a little bit right now. They don't really – create a whole lot of things if the offensive line struggling or receivers are having trouble getting open it's, it's tough down you know what i mean it's tough to play whereas you can get a little bit of relief if your quarterback does break contain and, and taylor's very gifted at that and and i think it's been a big boost for their offense is he a guy when you look at him do you see good backup or do you say this guy can start and win i mean in this last 10 he's seven and three so he's doing exactly something right. yeah, I, He's already proven the fact that he can. Yeah. I mean, not not to a, there's not a whole lot of proof in the pie pudding, but he is seven and three. To win seven games in the National Football League as a starting quarterback is a hell of a feat. I don't care how you went. If you went 17 to 13 or 20 to 10 or whatever it is, you're still putting your team in position to win. And I just feel like the added addition of his mobility and ability to make plays that are off schedule are critical in this day of age in pro football. Absolutely. And, you know, he, he the players respond to him, too. Um, let's get to Kirk Cousins because you know him well and you know you were here when he was here and you had him and when you look back on that situation what it what what do you what what jumps out first well I think uh you know it's tough for Kirk because he came in as a second fiddle and he always felt like he was a second fiddle here I think what really pushed Kirk over the top to being a productive solid great NFL quarterback is when we announced him as a starter for the entire season because right. now he's not looking over his shoulder. You know, you throw a bad pass as a quarterback, last thing you want to do is see the other quarterback warming up on the sideline. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, so when the coaches have the quarterbacks back and the quarterback feels that is a genuine thing, I think that made Kirk really more comfortable and be able to play uh, within himself and do the things that he needed to do to be successful. And I think all the players responded. At that time, we made that decision. We had a pretty good receiving core. We thought yeah. he was best fit for – the type of players we had around him. We could get the ball out to Jordan Reed and Pierre and Deshaun uh, and, and uh, Jameson and whoever else we had. So uh, I think – and he just continued to make steps, strides, and, and understand the game. He's a smart kid. He's a very uh, disciplined guy. He works hard. Uh, he's a very accurate anticipation type guy. He's great on the naked bootlegs. Yeah. Obviously, he does have some issues when there is pressure. He's not as mobile as most quarterbacks, or the, the ones we just talked about, like the Josh Allens or, or Heineke or what have you. Uh, but he can find his check down. He knows where everybody is on the field, and he's an efficient quarterback and very successful and very durable, which, I mean, he hasn't never missed a game. Right. And uh, that's hard to do in this day and age. And um, you get a quarterback like that, sure, a lot of fans and a lot of owners and a lot of coaches might say, man, we got to get somebody better. You're not. It's, it's, it's hard to find Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. All right? It's not right. going to happen very often. 
once in every 20 years. So if you get a guy like Kirk who can run the show, is a good leader, uh, he's tough, he's accurate, um, has great anticipation, you ride with him. And that's what I was going to ask you too, is how hard it is to find that guy because there are a lot of quarter, there are enough quarterbacks in that kind of mid-tier level that teams have to make decisions on. And it's a damned if you do or you don't because you either paying them a lot, maybe more than they're what you'd want, or you're starting over. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the million dollar question that all organizations in pro football, the number one thing you got to do is find a quarterback and, and, and you to build your team around that person. And hopefully he stays healthy. And that's what the great ones have done. Uh, you know, that's why Mike Tomlin was in Pittsburgh for so long. I had Big Ben and Belichick had Brady and, and Peyton had Breeze. They're able to build their team around those quarterbacks and you have the luxury of you're calling the same play over and over to the same quarterback year after year he feels very comfortable and we can adjust the scheme to who we have and and the communication between coordinator to quarterback and head coach to quarterback is consistent um and uh it's just so much easier whereas the option b is okay let's try to go get one we'll take a chance with this guy he doesn't pan out okay we'll go get this guy let's find this guy free agency let's trade for this guy trade three ones and he doesn't pan out uh it could be a nightmare, and it costs a lot of coaches' jobs. Uh, yeah, and so when did you know he was gone, that he would be gone and leave? I personally felt like uh, I felt like he was going to be gone when he didn't sign a contract initially. He played on the first franchise tag, um, the second one for sure, because um, I think we put a pretty good offer out there, but I just feel like Kirk wanted to change. Um, you know, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was the owner. Maybe it was the GM. Uh, maybe it was the players we had. I don't know. Uh, but I just maybe it was the fact that he always second fiddle to Robert when he got here. He felt, you know, there was no loyalty to him. I don't, I don't know. Um, but we did reach out or we did stick our necks out a little bit and announce him as a starter, which hopefully he appreciates. Um, and he produced for us in a big way, which allowed me to get a couple more years on my contract. So I'm always in debt to Kirk Cousins, uh, the way he played, the way he competed. So I have nothing but love for Kirk. And hopefully he feels the same about me. But I just felt like he wanted to change. And I thought that the biggest mistake we made as an organization probably in a uh, hundred years is not getting something for them. Um, you have a, yeah, yeah, you have a commodity like that. There's not many of them. You have to maximize what you get for it. And we got nothing for it. A third round conditional pick, I believe. And that's, that's, that's insane for a hundred million dollar quarterback. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you. Cause I know at the time in talking to people there, you know, like you weren't the only one who thought that why, why didn't it happen? Do you think? I don't know. I think one of the reasons was one of the teams that wanted him was a guy that came from our staff and they right. didn't want to. I think that was the main thing. Um, but I know there's other teams. Jets were interested in him. Obviously, Minnesota was interested in him. They signed him. Um, there was more than one team after him, not just San Fran, but those other teams were also interested in him. And for us not to try to find something for him um, is, is, uh, is, is, is a big mistake, huge mistake. I mean, where you get two ones and two twos, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't fix your quarterback situation, but at least gives you some ammunition to maybe go get another one right? Uh, from a team or trade up and get the first pick in the draft or second pick in the draft. And were there serious discussions at the time about that? Or no, was it just no. I think, uh, the only thing I ever heard is we're going to resign. Him. And I said, great. And I was just thinking to myself, I don't think there's any way he's coming back, but uh, go for it. I'd love to have it up. The math never <laughs> added up like his. What once you because to me, once you guys tagged him, he was always going to be ahead of the game, like it was going to be uh, more he, than what people Kirk's, there wanted to think. Kirk's not dumb now, Kirk, no, Kirk, he's, 
he, he's not a selfish guy, but he, he wants his money. He knows what the market value is. And he, he is a very intelligent guy. And he saw that he had total control as long as he stayed healthy. And he's always been durable. He felt confident uh, that we're going to protect him. He's going to protect himself. And he was going to make the most of his situation because, you know, let's face it, as a pro football player, um, obviously you want to win and, and you want to provide for your family, but you also want to strike when the iron's hot. And oh. Kirk maximize the hot iron and he he had total control and and good for him i'm happy for him and his and his wife and and uh they're they're loving up there in minnesota have you talked to him much uh very little but yeah i keep in touch with him a little bit so if i again if i'm right because we get to that last year 2017 and he wants 30 you guys seem to be comfortable in that 23 range is that about what you remember no i was not in I know you're not deciding. Uh, yeah, so I would just sit on a sideline hoping uh, that he would walk through the door eventually and have a nice sum of money in his pocket, but it never happened. Um, how was it? Because at the end of that tenure, too, there's tension. Was there tension at all? I think I think there's always going to be a little tension when you're offering some money and, and the agents and the GM and the president and the owner. I think they're, you know, when you're negotiating for that long, uh, obviously, there's going to be some tension. That's that's natural in any business transaction. Transaction. So, I think Washington felt like we were giving them enough money. We're very fair, very loyal, and, and Kirk was probably like, you know, I, I just want this, and they didn't get it. So there's probably some headbutton. But you know, at the end of the day, it's a business deal, and and uh, Kirk did what was best for him, and and we got stuck. And the funny thing is, like this team, when they were looking last offseason, they called every team that had a possible quarterback opening or trade possibility. They did call the Vikings about him, um, which would have been interesting. If, but obviously, the Vikings didn't want to trade him. Um, how what have you see, how have you seen him progress as a quarterback? I think that uh, you know he's had some different offensive coordinators in Minnesota. Now he's got Kevin O'Connell, which is kind of back to uh, what he did here a little bit. Um, I know Kevin's branched off and done a lot of different things as Sean did when he left. Um, but I think they're going to play to his strengths and playing for an offensive head coach also makes yeah. a big difference because when you're a play caller for a defensive head coach and things aren't working and then you feel you got to run the ball, you got to do what he wants. You're not really doing what's best for Kirk and the offense that becomes tough in the mind of an offensive quarterback and, or a coordinator and a, and a, a play caller and a quarterback. So having the luxury of having Wes Phillips, uh, Chris O'Hara, the quarterback coach, um, obviously Kevin O'Connell, is going to help them a lot. And it also helps they have some pretty damn good players. I mean, they got one of the best receivers in the league. Adam Thielen is a great receiver. You know, Dalvin Cook is unbelievable. They just get T.J. Hawkinson. Like right. T.J. Osborne is a heck of a player. Uh, their offensive line still struggling a little bit, but the way Kevin utilizes the quick passing game, the choice game, uh, getting them outside the pocket uh, has really been a benefit for him. And obviously the the, the threat of Dalvin Cook is, is huge. Yeah. What have you thought about what Kevin has done? I mean, you had him here. I mean, the funny thing is, like, they always talk about the Shanahan tree. You've got, you've had a few guys here who've gone on to do pretty well too. Yeah, we'd like to think that. I mean, yeah. but nobody. I don't get any credit for anybody except uh, I don't know. Bang. <laughs> that's uh, that's a that's a sore subject. But, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like I feel like he's done a great job. You know, I, I'm proud of him, and and I'm glad he's got the opportunity. Um, walked into a great situation. You know, usually as a head coach for your first time, you're walking into a, a mess, and you've right. got a lot of and uh, he walked into Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. Uh, he had some weapons. The defense was a little bit banged up. We got some guys healthy. Uh, Hunter come back and, and uh, you know, linebacker Kendricks came back. So, um, you know, they're still struggling a little bit of corner probably in safety, but I still think that 
he had enough pieces that he could implement a system, uh, change the way they did things from a defensive-minded head coach, bring some positive energy in there. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, most important thing is to win so people believe in what you're doing. You lose your first couple games, right. people are like, oh, what the heck, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Everybody starts pointing fingers. But to have success early is critical for a new head coach uh, because they'll rally around you and they'll continue to believe in what you're doing. Do you have with Kirk any sort of uh, – because he was he was an interesting guy because he's so regimented, you know, with the 15-minute increments and all that. What, what, what stands out about you with him, like – is there anything besides, you know, the longer lives where it's a little bit quirky, but it worked for him? Yeah, you're exactly right. He was uh, very detail-oriented. You know, that's probably one of my downfalls. He's probably the opposite of me, which is good sometimes. You know, you don't want two similar guys, you know, but uh, very detail-oriented. That's why it was very important for me to have good quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators like Sean and Kevin, uh, because they were both very detail-oriented. I like the meat and potatoes. I had all the plays. Most of the time, sometimes Sean would, sometimes Kevin would, but I was more of the concepts and here's the big picture versus this coverage, boom, boom, boom. Kirk, what, is it three steps? Is it two steps? Is it one step? Is it one hitch? Is it two hitches? He is very detail-oriented in that regard on every single play. And to have guys like Kevin and Sean uh, just go through the details, that that makes Kirk better and more comfortable in everything that he's doing. He is uh, he's detail-oriented. He's a rep guy. He wants to see everything. Why are you calling this play? Here's why he wants to see it in practice. If he doesn't like it, he doesn't want it in the game plan. If you call a play in practice and it doesn't look very good, that plays out. You know, and 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 that's that's great feedback. That's why you practice, and that's why the communication you have to have with your quarterback. Uh, what plays you like, what plays don't you like? Sometimes it hurt my feelings. It might be one of my favorite plays that he hated. I'd be like, damn it, I really like that play, but we'll take it out. You know, I'm not playing. You are. So, uh, but yeah, he, he's a great kid, great guy. Went through a lot here, being second fiddle to starter to right. getting yanked, going back in, uh, getting booed, getting applauded. Uh, but I think overall, his six years, I think uh, he wouldn't trade him in. I think it was a great experience for him, made him into a better person, a better player. And for you, like you've seen what's happened here at that position. So when you look back at that, because you guys did go out and get Alex Smith, and yeah. then it's then you guys were doing pretty well, and you're six and two, and then he gets hurt. Do you look back at that as like that's the turning point or is it letting Kirk go? Well, like I said, Kirk is going to go. So let's say he was going to go no matter what. So we had no control over it. Not getting right. the things we should have got for Kirk was right. a major turning point. And then the second turning point was Alex getting hurt. I mean, Alex, we were right. pretty good. Right. I mean, I mean, let's face it, we were going to beat Houston and uh, it would have been seven and two and had a two game lead in the NFC East. Yeah. Gets hurt and you go to Colt and Colt plays on a short week and, and then the following week he breaks his leg. The season's over. I mean, yeah, not a lot you can do. We tried Sanchez, but then we went to Josh Johnson because he could run a little bit and uh, won a game and almost beat Tennessee. Still almost made the playoffs, but uh, it's tough. You know, uh, that's why quarterbacks uh, and coaches, great quarterbacks and great coaches, usually work hand in hand. <laughs> You gotta yeah. have the trigger man. If you don't have the trigger man, you're gonna struggle. And then it, you throw in all the other injuries that we had, and then the Trent Williams situation. You're going from the best left tackle in the history of the game to, uh, you know, 37 year old a guy you get off the streets. So right. that's a major drop. And then there's it's other positions too that we had that struggled. So I want to, you know, one of the things too I want to ask you about too in this last couple minutes here, 2017 roster. This is what, and I forgot that they're on the same roster, but it's like Zach Brown. DJ Swearinger, Junior Gallant, Josh Norman, Bashad Breland. That's some personalities you guys had to deal with. Yeah, it was. It was interesting, you know, and uh, obviously 
you will deal with some personalities if they're performing extremely well on the field. You know what I mean? And sometimes as a coach, that's the, the, the balancing act you have to do. Uh, if you're late to a meeting, you find him or you don't find him. Uh, but he's having 15 tackles in the game. He's he's a great leader for your team on the field. You might deal with some of those things. But if they're playing average on the field and they're a problem, uh, you got to be able to get rid of them. Uh, and there's of that group, there's a couple of those guys that uh, I would like to have parted ways with a lot sooner. I would have never signed a couple of those guys that you mentioned. But um, some of them were productive for us. Some of us had some good games. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to build a good positive culture, you got to have more Terry McLaurin's on the team. You got to have more Kirk Cousins on the team. You got to have more Brandon Sheriff's on the team. Uh, Jonathan Allen's, Jerron Payne's on the team. These are guys that build your football team because when you bring in young players, that's who you want them to look up to. They work hard. They're smart. They're, they're team players. They're unselfish. Uh, and then we have too many of those other guys. Some of those new guys you bring in, the rookies and the free agents, they gravitate over there. Then all of a sudden you're, you're happy. Right. Bad, bad. Right. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have the power of the axe where I could cut the guys where I wanted to. But, you know, we dealt with some of those guys. Some of those guys, you know, they're okay. DJ would have been going earlier if you had had that power. I'm just right. Yeah. I mean, I like Josh. I like Breland. Breland just didn't like when Josh came because Breland thought he should have got that money. And then started trying to travel Josh with the best receiver. Breland got a little upset, which is he's a competitive guy. Yeah. You know, I always like the show. Yeah, yeah, he's a competitive guy. You know, DJ and Zach, you know, they're well-documented. And uh, Junior, he got hurt for both his Achilles, so he's really not in the equation. Right. Um, he, was, he was productive for the games that he played when he was uh, healthy. Unfortunately, he just blew his Achilles out twice. But yeah, no, the DJ one was interesting because, um, you know, it's funny because I always – people saw him out at practice talking to the players. They always thought he was this big leader. Then you talk to the guys in the locker room, they're like, the D-back seemed to – there was a different thing, but, like, other guys didn't view him that way either, and and I think it was one of those perception outside was different than inside. Yeah, I think when you find a guy as a reporter, if I was a reporter, I would go out to the guy that's probably going to talk and give me a story. And oh, he gave was, us stories. TJ was, was great at that. He gave us stories. He didn't like me at all. Uh, I, I know that. He's already tweeted that many, many times. He didn't think I was worth a damn as a head coach, and, and uh, you know, that's his opinion, whatever. Uh, I just wish he would have, uh, you know, been a little more quiet about what we do between the walls of the Redskin Park, but you know, it is what it is. You know, I appreciate what he did for it. But he was a story giver. Yes, yes, he was. And sometimes those stories are right around Christmas Eve, which was which wasn't always fun for a reporter. But I forgot you brought up John Allen, Deron Payne. Last thing, what have you thought of their progression? Because John has turned into a really, I mean, he was a really good player when you guys had him. He continues to get better and better. Yeah, I think part of it is a system. You know, I think when we had uh, uh, Minuski and uh, Jim Tomsula, Tomsula, they come from the old school three, four type, two right. gap type thing where you're holding off double teams and you're turning your body and you're making sure you're freeing up the linebackers to make plays and, and pass rushes secondary. I think he's been able to work on his getting up the field game and he's very athletic and I, him and Duran both. Um, to just keep them inside and play double teams and stand at the line of scrimmage and then pass rush second, I think did them a, 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 a bad – it was a bad deal for them. Uh, they still succeeded at it. They're still very good, don't get me wrong, but right. I envisioned them more being of a let's get up the field, let's shoot the gaps. They're powerful and they're both quick. Uh, have great hands. Um, so to watch them play is kind of, damn it, I wish we would have done that more with those two guys. They were still young, obviously, and they're right. developing and they're understanding the game and 
and uh, they're both very intelligent football players, have a great nose for the football, um, and, and, and they're just good guys. Yeah, I mean, and they, 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 they are. Are you when when Payne? I remember with Payne was was there was he a unanimous pick in that room for that, or were there other guys? Because there were a few other guys around that spot that were pretty good as well. Derwin James, I think, was still well. Around. He was he was unanimous after Vita Bay. I got picked. Oh, okay. Vita That's Bay, cool. I got picked right before us, and the, right. the room was split up. Two guys, you know, I was okay. I was a huge draw fan. I like Vita. Okay. Uh, if we would have got Vita, I'd been fine. But I was I, I really liked. Uh, pain. The, what he did against George in the, in the playoff game yeah. was, was he, he he just took over the game. I was like, why don't we want this guy? Don't we like guys that hit the quarterback six times and, and have five tackles for loss and, and just destroy the other team? Uh, but yeah, uh, but they're both very good players. And, and But once Vita got picked, uh, Duran was an easy pick for us. How's the golf game? Uh, okay. Ups, ups and downs. Still stink at putting, but Oh well, just fun. And you enjoying the stuff working with uh, Sean? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not you know too involved. You know, it just bounces ideas off me every now and then, and sometimes just need somebody to talk to from time to time. But uh, it's good to be in it, be able to watch film, and um, you know, watch the NFL. Still stay involved in that regard. Jay, I appreciate it, man. Always like talking to you. Thanks for the insight. Great insight. Appreciate it. You got it. thanks, John. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Jay for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back on Thursday afternoon with a look at the Minnesota Vikings with ESPN Vikings reporter Kevin Seifert. Give some good analysis about what's going on with the Vikings. Why are they 6-1? And And you can find on ESPN.com, you can read my story. should be up Thursday about how good are the commanders. Do we really know? We're going to find a lot about them in the next two weeks. So there you go. And I'll talk to you next time.